Hey, I got a little trivia for us. I'm ready. What's uh, what's John Madden's favorite player of all time? Ooh, man, that's tough. We should probably make that a whole episode. Should we Google it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got the answer? I feel like all of America has the answer. <laughs> well, I mean, but which which Packers player is it actually? You know, no, I mean, that's true. That's the that's. And the how do they feel whenever he fake retired and then retired again, but then also went to the Vikings? Did we ever get John Madden's commentary on Brett Favre's finale in the NFL? I actually don't know. That's probably actually worth looking up. It's Brett Favre, by the way. He was probably pretty quiet about that, right? (laughs) I mean, everybody, it's kind of like Michael Jordan. Everybody just ignores that that part of the career. Yeah, I know. When God's gift of football kind of rips your heart out and then lies. He did have that one game as a Viking, though, where he just got the you know what beat out of him. Was and that, he was, uh, that Saints by the playoff. Saints, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. Very, he was very Favre-like in that. I mean, he had the wrong jersey on, but people were like, oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> There's the non-creepy, gun-slinging quarterback we all fell in love with, right? The funniest thing about John Madden is that he was scared to fly, so he had his own bus, and he just bussed around the country every year. Like he drove it? No. Yeah, he drove the bus. That's the better story. John Madden. I mean, talk about not facing... Talk back in <laughs> Why was that so good? Yeah, it's. I mean, this guy's known for so many things: Ace Hardware, Jock Itch, Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is he not doing promos anymore? Maybe he made all his money. Like Ace Hardware was like, "Thank you very much, man. Ace is the place." How much money does John Madden make off the football games? Just for having his name on it. That's what I want to know. Mm. That's, oh, I feel like that's a gig. Oh, a lot. Yeah. Well, I think that one year where they had that little bit of a mess up where they included Tim Bell. It's probably a little dark spot on their <laughs> reputation. Well, he was on NCAA for Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Tim Bell never made it to the NFL? No. Boy, that changes the story he's telling in class. <laughs> Somebody needs to call him out on that. You know, just because you wear a Patriots t-shirt to the gym. <laughs> it didn't mean you were a training camp. <laughs> it didn't mean you were a training camp. <laughs> just so, got off the phone with Bill earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, we're <laughs> deciding what to do this with this quarterback position. It's kind of up in the air, you know. So this is a little bit of foreshadowing where we're headed at the end of the episode today, talking about our NFL predictions. But between now and then, what we've got to talk about is a topic that actually emerged in one of our episodes where we stumbled on, which would you rather have, a world-class trainer or a world-class training partner? Everybody had an initial reaction, then we started talking about it more, and we realized there are pros and cons to each. What I'd like for us to do today is bat around for a couple of minutes. What are the pros and cons on each side, and then maybe, if it's possible, make a collective decision at the end of what side of the debate we're going to fall on. So how, how do we want to kick this off? Maybe first thing we should do is attack the, uh, the trainer. Let's talk about the world-class trainer, what we think are pros and cons, because we have... Let's make a plug here. Two world-class trainers sitting with us in the podcast studio today uh, as training is going on in the background. Let's start with pros and cons there and see where it takes us. Go ahead. Uh, all right, sure. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, hold, here we go. hold on. You mean it's trainer? Are you saying that as like a substitute for coach? Yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, just make sure. Because the other one's training partner, so I was trying to make sure. I didn't want to give the wrong arguments for the wrong side. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think at this point in the game, you know, having a coach is – is almost imperative mandatory really yeah yeah and so you know the positives any other sport like you go to the olympics or anything like that any tennis individual sport they all have coaches and you know crossfit you have a coach now 
there's so many different aspects to CrossFit that um, it's not as cut and dried as it might be in a sport such as tennis, you know, because you got to figure out what your program is. You got to have strategies for your workouts. You got to have, you know, strategies for your recovery, all that type of stuff. There's so many different modalities, you know, there's gymnastics, there's weightlifting, there's endurance. And so you, some people have kind of this hybrid approach approach where they have a gymnastics coach, they have a weightlifting coach, they have an endurance coach, you know, they have a recovery uh, coach, you know, they have different coaches. And then other people will just have, you know, one coach who's doing their programming, telling them what to do on everything else, you know. And then, you know, some people have just remote coaches where they do the program for them, um, kind of tell them what to do every week. And then some people have an on-site coach who's working with them. Some people have both. Some people have coaches who are going with them to, uh, to the competition, you know, packing their food for them, telling them what to do for their recovery. And then other people just kind of have a coach who is doing their program, but they're not really on site with them at the competition. So there's a whole lot of different strategies out there. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends on what each person is looking for. Um, I guess we could kind of figure out in our mind, what is the ultimate coach look like? Um, if you're theoretically want to win the CrossFit games and I guess we can go from there, but go ahead and Chris. Yeah. Um, if you, if you pulled all of the, uh, if you pulled all of the athletes at the, uh, at the games, most if not all of them are going to are going to have a uh, have a coach that they're working with. But um, I think the ones that are that are really successful are able to have a, have a combination of uh, of both. If you look at um, uh, if you listen to Maxell Hogg, Maxell Hogg uh, has has several guys that are uh, and girls that are making it uh, making it to the games and are being very successful. And he's trying to create an environment where he can. Uh, um, where his athletes are getting personalization, but they are also, but they also have opportunities all throughout the year to be able to go head to head with each other. You know, they, uh, he was, uh, he was Travis Mayer's coach for the longest time. And then, uh, Noah Olson decided to jump on board. He was able to get Noah Olson to move to Atlanta and live there, uh, in the same, in the same city. So now he's able to have his eyes on both of his athletes, and he's also able to put them in um, in situations where they can uh, where they can train against each other and kind of see where they're measuring out all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think there's uh, there's definitely there's pros and cons to both of them, and I think uh, I think uh, me and you have some really good insight because we have done both. We have uh, we've trained uh, we trained completely by ourselves with our own personal program. And then we've also uh, we've also had training partners, and um, and I've gotten better with both, you know. And I think there's a, you know, what's uh, when it comes down to what is optimal, what is better. It really, I think, it comes down to the uh, to the individual, and because uh, it's it's really really hard to quantify which one is exactly better. Yeah, and I think you know you're going to get better if you're committed to a program no matter what the program is if if you hire a coach you're just going to get better due to the fact that hey you're committing yourself to doing it you know a lot of people maybe haven't been as committed and and by the time they do decide to hire a coach they're like all right i'm going to commit to this i'm going to do whatever they tells me to do well yeah you're going to get better just due to the fact that you're more into it than you you were before um you know and so then we can talk about um does every person need a personal um, specific program, um, and you know, I guess there's coaching. 
Um, there's, you know, philosophies differ on that as far as coaches. You know, some coaches have all their athletes do the same program. And some coaches have a, a different specific program for every single athlete. And that's kind of the, I guess, the big debate that's been going on in the CrossFit community the last couple of years is, you know, does every person need their own personal program or can different people do uh, separate programs and get better? Um, and, you know, people have, you know, you, you could have like a Max Hellhog or an OPEX, for example, and they're really pushing, um, you got every single person has to be doing their own specific personal program and they're really pushing the programming aspect of it and that's the magic formula is what you do in the gym is what's going to take you to the next level and then you have people like ben bergeron who are who has people doing you know the same program for the most part and he's focused more on what they're doing outside of the gym he's focused on um their mindset, their recovery, their sleep, controlling all the things they can control and their effort as and focus more on the effort of what they're doing as opposed to what they're doing it. And he's had a whole lot of success doing it that way. And what I always try to do is I try to look at what are the common denominators of the people who are successful um, in the sport. What are they all doing? Okay, the, everybody's doing something different. They're all doing different programs. They all have, are doing wide variety. You, you said if you polled CrossFit athletes at the games, what are they all doing? They're all doing something completely different as far as training, different methodologies, different styles of training, you know. So what do they all have in common? Well, probably what what's between the ears, you know, how much intensity they're giving their workouts, how much they're focusing on their diet, how much they're focusing on their recovery, how much um, time they're putting into all those things, how, you know, what, what outside factors um, do they have? How much stress do they have outside of, of the gym? You know, do they have another job? All that type of stuff. How serious do they take it? I think that's what they have in common more so than what they're doing in the gym because everybody's doing something different and everybody trains different amounts of time in the gym, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, if that's what all the best have in common, I think that is probably the most important thing for people to focus on are those aspects as opposed to what you're doing because what you're doing is different all across the board. Now, you know, obviously everybody has different strengths and different weaknesses, but you can look at what are the common characteristics of people at the games. You can figure out, um, you know, what their strength numbers are, what their gymnastics numbers are, what their endurance numbers are, you know, average across the board, and you can figure out a way to get to those. And there's a million different ways to slice that pie as far as getting your muscle ups up or getting your mile time down or whatever the case may be. So if you focus on acquiring those physical characteristics, I think, you know, any, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that programming wise. So when you're talking about what I hear you saying predominantly for our listening audiences, you got that, you have that coach, it's going to be indicative that they've won a couple of battles as an athlete just to get to that level. But when you have a world-class trainer or coach, they're going to take that initial um, ability for that athlete to get to that, and they're just going to multiply it 
so much greater. So it may be that an athlete was able to get to that point, but they had maxed out their individual capacity to to obtain growth in that area. And a world-class trainer is going to say, I see that not as the finish line, but as the initial spark to get you to a place that you couldn't even imagine right now. So that's a, that's a huge, huge pro. Once you get over into that realm, if, what they decide to do, whether it's like the Rocky approach or it's very mathematical, but, you know, it's going to end up being different. But when that, that extra person gets involved, it's going to allow that athlete to go to a different level they couldn't obtain otherwise. Yeah. I think that's a pretty solid solid pro. How, how do you feel about that, Chris? Yeah, I, I think um, if you take uh, you take an athlete and let's say they – you know that they they do CrossFit for uh, for a few years and they decide that they want to you know make a jump towards um, you know being more competitive in this and that they can still get a lot better just by you know training uh, training with good people and doing um you know doing uh, doing classes and some extra stuff and they can get you know they can get really really good at it but uh, the further the further uh, you get to the end of your potential the more you have to have kind of everything locked down that's where you kind of have to start thinking you know oh, okay um uh something i may have to do more things that are specifically tailored towards my weaknesses but probably more importantly i need to start looking at the other factors in my life you know am i recovering properly am i uh, am i filtering stress the way the the way that i need to those are the th- you have to find those little things that are going to that are going to make you just that that half second better it's kind of like when you're when you first start off uh let's take a back squat for example every time you retest your back squat it's going to go up 20 pounds until it doesn't anymore until you kind of get to the point where you're almost about to max out your potential on that now you have to start looking at okay what's my mobility like in the squat um you know, do I uh, do I need to start implementing some kind of training cycle to improve my squat? Do I need to back off uh, the conditioning for a little bit just to make that squat go up another five pounds this time? So, uh, yeah, uh, I think um, one of the one of the big pros to uh, to having a coach. I know for me, uh, for me, it was a it's a peace of mind thing knowing that. There's somebody else who is looking out for my progress, and I'm not having to worry about all of that. You know, that's a that's one of those one of those stressors that can take a lot out of an athlete is one is wondering, you know, is what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing, is is this going to be the best use of my time right now? No. So you, already we've got three pros that we're rolling out there, which doesn't surprise me. But you have the uh, the information, the knowledge base that's going to allow uh, gains to occur. You've got that borrowed intensity that a coach is able to bring. Uh, those are kind of two two of the biggest ones. Um, but then you have the ability to make these minor tweaks or just a lot of that stuff when you've got instead of just looking in a mirror you've got somebody presenting to you a true picture of where you are as an athlete yeah. those are some pretty big things when it talks about maximizing when you're talking about maximizing your potential as an athlete and let's not even talk about the backside of that where you have an athlete that is a got all of those things going well but then hits a particular season in their career uh, or a particular movement and they experience frustration we've all seen this happen frustration in one area just causes the wheels to come off the bus and if a coach can move in and fix that one area effectively efficiently quickly then it's going to preserve the progress that's happening in all and all those other areas so um, you know, I think one thing that you're mentioning, Chris, is this goes for the top level CrossFit athlete as well as the person who's just catching the noon class three-day 
days a week. They don't have to think about what they need to be doing to progress. And, and in the fitness world, most people are garbage at that anyway because we're being sold a lot of pro, uh, products or systems that are just out there to make money. They're not there for the benefit of the individual. So in, any other pros we can think about from the coach's point of view? I think just the biggest one is that they're giving you an objective look at yourself and where you are. You know, they can take a, a bird's eye view of you. You know, we just get caught up in the day-to-day, and we, we have so many blind spots in ourselves. They can kind of look and say, all right, well, you think you're eating clean, but you're really not eating as clean as you should be if you want if you want to achieve the goals that you say you do. You think you're getting enough sleep, but you're not. You think you're, you're taking care of your stress, but you're not. You know, they're, they're able to objectively look, see the holes, and see what, how you need to fix them. And, you know, there's a lot of different strategies and people take lots of different approaches to how they coach. But in my opinion, the, the best coach is going to be able to look at all aspects of your life and your training and figure out <clears throat> what you need to work on and prioritize them by importance and, and not just focus on um, what you're doing in the gym, but looking at everything outside of the gym and make sure you're doing that and also making sure you have the right mindset because you know, if you have the wrong mindset, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not ever going to going to achieve what you want to achieve. So I think you know, just having somebody who um, knows what it takes and can look at you and tell you where you're lacking, um, and also where you're you're good, what you're doing good at, what you're doing bad at, I think is probably the biggest pro of a coach, in my opinion. Yeah, this is a big point you're bringing up. I know this has happened to me, uh, and anyone who's involved in CrossFit has been in this situation. It's a pretty interesting phenomenon that you'll get a 15-pound PR, and then as you're putting the weights back, you're all down in the mouth about it, like, oh, man, that was it was only a 15-pound PR, or I only approved my friend time by a couple seconds, and then a coach is able to move in there and go, okay, stop. Listen to yourself and listen to what you're doing. Progress is progress because you start to get hungry, like you said initially, Chris, for those big gains, those big jumps. And a coach, I I have not seen an athlete individually um, inside of our box navigate that very well. That transition from these huge jumps into, man, it feels like everything's slowing down. And sometimes you gotta you gotta back up and say, man, could you fit into those pants a year ago? You know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, you have to like help an athlete reassess as a coach. Uh, you have to help the athlete reassess what does project progress look for you right now. And even getting into the dark days, if you have people who are in a very stressful situation with their family, their job, and things are kind of plateauing in the gym, to be able to contextualize that and say, look, this season, maybe for the next couple of weeks, this is where a coach knowing athletes is so important. For these next couple of weeks, you need to pull the pressure off your training a little bit to make sure that you don't just implode and not show up for the next two weeks. Get in here and do something. Don't just don't just do nothing, you know. So, yeah, I think it was. This is a very easy part of the conversation to say. What are the pros of having a coach? This is where it gets interesting. Have you guys experienced negative sides of, of having a coach, or experienced the negative side of, of being a coach to an athlete? This isn't helping this particular person. Yeah. Um the uh, the biggest negative for me and now you know I, I, me and Hunter we were both working remotely with a coach so basically the uh, we we would receive uh, we would get our programming over email or text or whatever and uh, you know they're not there to uh, to see uh, to see you do the uh, to see you do the the programming so uh, you know you you end up you know essentially you're just you're training by yourself. Uh, 
all day, every day, and um, and that can uh, and that can take a toll eventually because uh, you know uh, you're it, where uh, where you have peace of mind and that you don't have to worry about writing your own programming. You're letting somebody else uh, do that for you, but. You also have uh, have these other these other uh, stressors and thoughts that you know. Am I pushing as hard as I can? Okay, I'm doing this. I see this other I see this other guy doing this workout over here. Could I do that workout like that right now? You know, those are the those are the things that um, if you're really it, where where it becomes really important what you do outside of the programming and how you filter that stress. Because uh, that that was my biggest issue was like even though I was doing a, a program that uh, that I knew, or that uh, or that was was seemingly a good program for me, I would still go into competition every time, really not completely sure if I was ready or not, because I had not competed against anybody in you know a long time. So that was a uh, that was the uh, the tough uh, the tough part for me was the constant you know the. Uh, um, just uh, just the unknown of what everybody else was doing, and part of being an athlete though is learning to only worry about yourself and not worry about what everybody else is doing. But easier said than done. What do you think, Hunter? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it it definitely depends on if your coach is remote or if they're on site. Are you surrounding other people, or are you doing by yourself? Are you able to kind of compare your results to others or not? Um, but I think. If you are in the gym training by yourself day after day after day, that is a very um, tough way to get to the next level um, or to get to where you want to be. Like Chris said, you don't know. It's really hard to push yourself to the next level that way in a workout. I mean, we, we've all experienced plenty of times. Like you get in a workout and there's somebody just a little bit faster than you that's going to make you push yourself a little harder. You're lifting weights and somebody puts five pounds on the bar that's going to make you put five pounds on the bar. You know, there's so much to the human psyche and to the human body that is just not quantifiable as far as how much you push yourself uh, when you're with other people as opposed to by yourself. And, you know, I I think it's really dangerous to just say, well, science says this, so this is what we need to do, or this study said this. Well, you know, there's a lot of variables that impact every single person in their day-to-day life so you can't just go by what science says you have to you know look at human the human body and a human person and say that different things um, happen to different people even if they do the same thing and and there's a lot of factors that impact something so you know I think that training by yourself all the time is a recipe to not um, you know not achieve what you said like Chris said you know you you always have that doubt in the back of your head um, you can't quantify that doubt in, on a spreadsheet. You know, you can't mm. quantify how you feel going into a workout on a spreadsheet. You know, all of that is is human. You know, we're humans, and and there's a lot of variables outside of input X, output Y. You know, so I think that the biggest downside, if you just have a remote coach who has you doing your training by yourself, um, is is that 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 x factor you know and then i think too you know expectations you know you you know if you have a coach uh you might have certain expectations like hey i think that my coach is going to be at every competition and watching me the whole time and giving me a game plan and all this type of stuff and 
if they have 20 other athletes, you know, they they might not be even come to your competition. They might, you know, you kind of have to figure things out for yourself. And so it's it's being aware of what you're getting when you sign up for. And, you know, every coach is different, 100%, completely different in how they do and how they model things. Um, but I think that having a, um, a, a remote coach is going to be hard if – if you're not getting to see them very often or if they're not coming to your competitions or if they're if you're not getting to spend a lot of time with them um, to be able to really make the progress that you want to make. Yeah, so I think this is a very, very intelligent con that we're pointing out right now because this is kind of the dynamic in the world of fitness right now. And we've seen this even with uh, games-level athletes. When you're talking about how coaches operate, world-class coaches and trainers operate these days, everybody wants to get a piece of that person's knowledge the way that they go about their philosophy there's just a lot of demand on a few of those um, types of of coaches Um, and as a result you remove that personal dynamic that presence there and this happened uh, the other day we'll just put me in the slot as the world-class athlete hunter you in the (laughs) the slot as the world-class trainer i'm in the back of the gym i'm trying to hold on to a row uh, we will leave the times out of this conversation, but I'm trying to hold on to a program pace and I'm really struggling towards the end. And you made a turn to start walking back towards the rower and my time started dropping. Yep. And then especially with you sitting there watching and giving a little bit of verbal encouragement, I was able to pull down um, over 10 seconds on the last 500 meters in my, in my split time. So yeah, I think one of the cons can be that we tend to put so much stock in the the information the knowledge base the experience and history that you can be clouded by that and lose how important that that personal aspect of, of the, the trainer is so there's a, there's a thing called perceived exertion and i read about this in a book called how bad do you want it and it's this guy talking about um endurance athletes in all different sports and, and different ways they were able to take it to the next level but perceived exertion is the exertion that you perceive you're putting out in a specific workout and if you can take your mind off of what you're doing and focus it on something else, you're going to be able to push yourself harder than you really think you can. So in that example, you thought you were giving it all you had on the road. Well, obviously you weren't because I came back there and your time <laughs> dropped down five. And then I was like, pick it up these last 300 meters. And you dropped down like 15 yeah. seconds per 500 faster than you were going at the very end, at the end of like 6K of intervals. Yeah. And I just think that perceived exertion um, – changes so much when you're in a group setting when there's somebody that you're that's pushing you that you're chasing or that you're trying to hold off you're going to be able to push yourself so much harder than you would just if you're by yourself because you you're focused not on your pain and suffering you're focused on that other person next to you yeah you feel it a little bit but you want to win and you're going to do whatever it takes to win and you're going to push yourself a lot harder you do that every single day day after day after day over a whole year you know that one two percent you're able to push yourself harder that's going to add up to a whole lot more progress just by the fact that you are focused on something else other than your own self yeah i think so this is a great segue into the next part of this conversation because we're already kind of listing a pro with that world world class training partner that you've got the tribe mentality the group think that's a big part of it um you know now i I will say on the con side sometimes that takes athletes outside of their actual capacity and can lead to some injury sometimes if they let that sense of competition take them out of something you know in the back of your mind i 
I don't really need to take this on. This this guy's better at me. <laughs> this girl's better at me than this. Uh, so I need to back off a little bit. But I don't know if you could count that as, as a true con because as you develop as an athlete, you know where that line is and you need to take responsibility. And that could be a con with something that's programmed for you remotely too. But other than just, hey, when we're in here working together, I know that a person's waiting on me to show up at the box, that level of things. What are the pros of having those people beside you and helping you progress as an athlete? The uh, the pros of of what now? I'm sorry, having your training partner. partners. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, you said it. The uh, the accountability and um, having uh, having somebody there uh, all the time that's gonna that's gonna make sure that you're that you're getting the work done that you're uh, that you're putting out the uh, the effort that uh, that you need to, um, and also being able to constantly know where you stand uh, as an athlete because you're uh, because you're gonna go you're gonna go against somebody who ha- probably has much different um uh strengths and weaknesses than uh than you do and i think um that probably goes into the quality of your uh, of your training partner if you're training with somebody who is just as just as good as you and is the exact same type of athlete you are then you might want to find a different partner <laughs> you know yeah. you may want to find some, you want to find somebody that's going to push you on your uh push you on your weaknesses and not just uh, not just make you feel good about your strengths yeah i think yeah i think a big pro is um if you're if you're training with like a games level athlete you're going to see what they're doing day in and day out that is making them games level it's the intangibles it's how serious are they taking their warm up every single day do they skip their warm up or are they doing it every single day how serious do they take their mobility how serious do they if you go out to eat with them you know how serious are they taking their diet when they go out to eat do they have their food packed every single day you know what kind of mindset do they have coming into each workout how hard do they push themselves every day you know all the little things that add up to a lot you know how seriously they take their recovery you're gonna see that day in and day out and it's gonna raise your level you're gonna say wow I thought I was working hard but I'm really not that's that's one thing that I always notice every time I go and travel and go to a competition and get around like some really high-level games athletes and you see them warm up they warm up different than everybody else. You know, they take it seriously. It's a job. They're not cutting corners. If it, if they're supposed to do eight reps, they're not doing six. Just, oh, I feel good. I'm just going to do six. No, they're doing, and they're focused on every little detail. And being around somebody like that every single day is going to raise you to the next level. And then, you know, another one is, like I said, you know, that perceived exertion thing, getting in a workout that somebody's going to push you every single day and raise your level um, to theirs. Now, there's also a downside if you're training like Chris said with somebody who's worse than you every single day it's going to be hard for you to really give your best effort because as long as you're staying ahead of them you're happy you know you're just going to do just enough to beat them and that can also be a negative if you're working out with somebody and you're always winning every single day you know you need to be with people um, who are pushing you in different aspects every single day and one of the cool things that we have about our coyote competitors is that we have such a wide variety of people and a lot of really good athletes and there's different people that are good at different things and depending on the workout you know there's different people that can really you know win a workout and so you're you're having to bring your a game every single day you go into to a workout but i think there's also can be a negative aspect to that competition there's you know good good competitiveness and bad competitiveness i think and if you're competing for the right reasons like hey this is gonna get me to my goal um eventually down the road and having a growth mindset with it 
say, you know, I'm going to use this competition to better me um, and take me to the next level, and I'm not going to get caught up in the results so much, and I'm not just coming in here and figuring out what the best time is on the board and figuring out the best possible way I can beat them by one second and all that type of stuff. You know, that's what I would call bad competition. You know, you're only – if you just are doing just enough to win a workout, you – could maybe could have gone faster you know you might be limiting yourself and if all you care about is winning a workout um that you know you're not focused on the things you should be focusing on whereas if you have a growth mindset yeah you're using the competition to bring you to the next level but it's not about whether you win or lose that given workout it's about giving your best effort that day using the other people around you to bring you to a level that you couldn't have by yourself but also using that ultimately just to help you achieve your long-term goals and not just focusing on the short-term uh, win or loss. If you have a variety of training partners and, you, and you're doing CrossFit and you don't have a good relationship with losing, then you probably don't need to be training with people until yeah. that until that relationship improves because yeah. it's, uh, it's CrossFit. If you're, if you're judging wins and losses on, you know, first place or you getting first place and not getting first place you're going to lose a lot and you have to be uh, you have to be okay with that you have to have a uh, you have to have a mindset like Hunter was saying that um it's not it's not a failure it's it's a learning experience and it's a chance and it's a chance for you to see where uh, where you need to uh, where you need to improve and that these people are every time every time you lose quote unquote lose you're still improving and um, if you uh, if you have somebody like if I have a client come in and they obviously do not have a very good relationship with losing, if every time they don't get first in a workout, they're you know pouting and um, you know starting to question the the, me- the methods and stuff like that, that might be a good time to kind of pull them out of the pack and let them do their own stuff for a little while. So it's you know to to say to say that one of these things is uh, is better than the other. It's just it's a silly conversation to have. It's a lazy conversation to have because we're we're so complex as people beyond just the physical. You know, you've got when you really start delving into people's psyches, you can't you can't put people on a monolith and and confine them to one box or the other. Yeah, that's that's smart, man. I think w- what I was leading to say kind of plays right into that in that for me it's important uh, to be able to see other people's successes. If I'm having a rough day in the gym and all I'm focused on is myself, this is where this community piece is so important for me. A lot of times I use this as a strategy as an athlete. Well, I didn't have a great day, but I know that guy over there has been working on that forever. That girl over there has been really fighting for that particular uh, PR, and it happened. And because because I'm part of a community, that lifts me out of what I'm in and encourages me a little bit. You know, some days I'll be having a bad day, another person has it, but you know, other days it's going to be exactly reversed. You know, it's a great, it's a it's a good, just therapeutic tool to have anyway. Is when you're when you feel like a when you feel like a workout did not go as well as you want to, you know, like if you can't encourage yourself, go encourage somebody else. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. the results of a given workout whether you do well on the workout or not, like what the leaderboard says, does not determine whether that was a good session or not for you. You can have the fastest time on the board and that could be a poor session for you because, hey, you kind of were borderline on your on your reps, you sacrificed form to go faster, you were you know, maybe not getting full lockout like you should, and maybe you just kind of did just enough to win, 
Whereas you would have been better served, you know, going a little slower, making sure all your reps were good, focusing on your technique and um, setting yourself up to progress in the long term. Or you might get last on a workout and it could be a great session for you because, hey, you were working on something, you got better at something you're not good at, you had good quality reps, and that's going to set you up to do better in the long run. So whether you win or lose a workout if you're working out with other people is not the determinant of whether you had a good session or not. And I think that's something that if you're training with other people, you have to keep in mind that, yeah, you're with other people, you're with other training partners, but at the end of the day, you have to make sure you're doing the best thing for yourself that's going to set yourself up for success in the long term. Yeah, this is where uh, I think this main word we're really hovering around in this conversation today is interpretation. There's certain things that a coach is going to help you interpret about what's going on, your athleticism and your pursuits better. There's certain things that your community that may know you better personally, that's close to you, will be able to interpret better for you. But we're, we're all dependent upon that in some way. And I think so a little bit of what I feel like, and I need to throw this out here to see if we're if this is where we're landing. But the answer seems like it isn't going to be one or the other. It's a, it depends. It depends on where you are in your CrossFit career. It depends on what your particular goals are. It depends on what you need in the day. I mean, some sometimes the same athlete in the same day, in the same programming, can need the community just as much as they needed the programming. You know, yeah. in some days you have uh, even these, and I'm sure this is conjecture here, but I'm sure even elite level athletes have to take that programming and say, I'm going to set that aside today and I'm going to do what my mind or my heart is telling me to do at the box today. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I think about this question, I I'm think, you know, would I rather train every day with Rich Froning or what would I rather have Ben Bergeron as my coach? And that's a, you know, that's a really, that's a really tough <laughs> yeah. uh, question because I mean, Ben Bergeron, all his athletes finished at the top 10 of the games. And then he had some other comp train athletes who qualified for the games. And then you got rich. You had two teams in the top four. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and I was talking about how well Rich's teams did. And he was like, well, yeah, well, I mean, they, they bring all these people in to, to train there with them, and they just have the best people. And I was like, well, there's a lot of other gyms that are bringing games-level athletes in to be on their team, and they didn't finish two teams in the top four. And all the guys on Rich's team are all homegrown. Yeah, they brought in some girls, but other teams are bringing in – you know, games level girls, you know, higher, probably higher individually. Uh, if you look at the core girls, of those teams, yeah. it's the same people that have been there for years. Yeah. So that's not a very good argument to me. I, you know, and Rich, they have the same people that train together every single day. They all do the same stuff. They post it online, they post videos, so you know what they're doing. Um, and so that's like, but Rich at the same time is also coaching them. He's working, telling them what they need to work on, working with them on their technique. I think they also do some their own individual stuff, or they'll uh, they'll they'll change different movements and different workouts based on what they are. But what you're getting when you're working out with them is you're seeing these high level athletes train together every single day and bring out the best in each other. And then you have a person like Ben who has he's got Katrin who lives with him and he's on site coaching her every single day. But then he's also has these other remote people, but he brings them in a lot and and he put lets them all train together a lot. And so it's it's kind of a almost a hybrid method where they get to train with world class training partners consistently, but they also have an on site coach who's helping them with their you know, their mindset and nutrition. So I don't know which one I would pick. That would be a tough mm-hmm. decision, but they're both um, successful. You know, they both are doing really, really well. And so I think it goes back to 
what are you focusing on when you're training? What are your intentions? What's your mindset? What are you doing outside the gym? How serious are you taking it? I think those are the most important aspects and whatever you can do that's going to help you, you know, get world class in all those different areas is what's going to um, be the best option for you. All right, let's take this down to the affiliate level because this, this is a fascinating part of this conversation. I know we're, we got to get to our outside the box here in just a second. Uh, but for the average athlete attending an affiliate in a, in a town, uh, we'll remove this, not make it so personal. Um, I think what we're saying here is that that athlete needs to be aware of both of these dynamics. If you're attending a box and you, you have a great sense of community, uh, but you've got somebody who's running that affiliate who's just getting on a website and saying, well, whatever they're doing, that's what we're going to do, then that may be an indicator you're not going to reach your full potential as an athlete. It, uh, contrast that. If you walk in like, man, these trainers, these coaches here are world-class. They're writing some of the best programming around, but there's not a sense of community inside of the box. It doesn't matter what the programming is. You're not going to be able to reach that level of potential. So the person who is not uh, doesn't see themselves making it to the games, which is the vast majority of the people who are involved with CrossFit. They need to be aware of both of these dynamics as they're picking a, a box to continue in. Yeah, sure. It's two sides of the same coin. If you've got uh, world class, uh, world class programming, but your gym sucks, nobody's going to come in to uh, to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. If you've got a uh, if you've got a great uh, great community and uh, and terrible programming, then I mean you're probably either going to get people hurt or run them off, and so they're not going to be able to come in and enjoy the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is why we we hear at the very beginning, you know, we don't CrossFit doesn't care if an affiliate opens up sharing a wall, you know. May the, may the best man win, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. exactly these two dynamics have been in play since the beginning. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about the CrossFit model and CrossFit class is I always, you know, tell people it's personal training in a group setting and you're getting the best of both worlds at the right gym. You're getting the personal attention uh, that you need. You're getting the help with other things outside the gym and you're also getting to, to train with other people, developing community, getting training partners that are going to hold you accountable. And so you, it really set you set yourself up to do well. And like Chris said, you know, maybe there is a season where you need to step back and work with somebody one on one and kind of get out of the uh, I'm chasing, you know, times every single day and just focus on you. And then maybe there's times when you get tired of doing that and you want to just not, you know, not worry about, you know, training by yourself and and train with other people you know i've gone through those seasons in my life i've gone through seasons where i i enjoy training by myself and then there's other times where i enjoy just training with other people and throwing down with the boys every single day and and i think you get you really do get the best of both of those in 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 the crossfit class and and that's that's really why it's it's such a successful model yeah, I think I'm comfortable with this answer. I think we've we've discussed it enough to where we have this intelligent approach here. We're like, yeah, you just gotta you gotta take both these things to account. Maybe a flawed question in the beginning, but I love the discussion that it produced. Trying to walk around this idea, 360. So well, let's let's just. Would you rather? Work out with Rich Froning every day, or have Ben Bergeron as your coach. This will this will settle the issue at yeah. least for how we're feeling right now. Yeah, gun to your head right now. What do you have to pick? I'm going Froning, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Froning, uh, just because the things that are important to me personally. Yeah, I'm probably going Bergeron. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, just because I nerd out on that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like like gun to my head, have to do it the rest of my life. That's probably what I'm going to do. I think I think Bergeron is probably going to be the best way to learn. And you'd be able yeah. to 
if and, you're wanting to coach in the in the future. Yeah, or, and th- that would probably that's the direction that I'm taking is like if I can I can learn from Bergeron to be able to help yeah. up, to help others. Yeah, I think uh, at this stage of my life with competition not being at the biggest forefront, I think I would go with Bergeron too. I think if I really wanted to qualify for the games, I think I'm going Rich Froning. I think yeah. spending – I just don't think that – I think that spending time with Rich and working out with him at his gym every single day is going to take you to to the top top level, yeah, in my well, opinion. I mean, let's acknowledge here my opinion. I would be a waste of Bergeron's time, right? <laughs> and I'm probably just going to be mopping uh, Mayhem's floor for about three years before I ever get involved <laughs> with a workout. But, Man, I think you would have so much fun training up there with him, too. Yeah. Know? Talk yeah. about having a blast every day in and day out. Yeah, that, that guy seems like he's really got – uh, life figured out to a lot of degree. He's you know very successful, but doesn't take himself too seriously. But yeah, so even in our answer, we can't agree. That's a yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's transition to uh, Chase. Give us a little outside the box. Outside the box. Ooh, oh, very nice, Pepper. Way to go. Way to go. Thank you. All right, I, so I just kind of channeled MJ right there. There you go. So today we uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So today we discuss uh, in our outside the box portion of the episode predictions for the NFL. Uh, just for those of you who've checked out, that would be the National Football League. Uh, we're going to discuss not the No Fun League. Yeah, not the not for long league. Um, <laughs> so we're going to discuss how this season is going to go. I will admit to you guys out of the gate, I'm a little bit disconnected from this. Uh, I went through the same thing with the PGA, where a lot of players that I was was following just retired out. So I kind of feel like the old curmudgeon in the crowd, like I just haven't attached to the new gen of athletes. Uh, but all the same, the season's still happening. So how do we think it's going to go? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same uh, the same with you in that I watch so much uh, so much college football that by the time Sunday comes around I'm gen- I'm you pretty disconnected I've just I've got I've got NFL games on just to kind of waste time like I I've always I've always followed players in the NFL more than actual teams so I'm gonna watch to see what uh, to see what Dak does I'll probably you know poke my head in to see how the Saints are doing on Sundays and that's probably about it <laughs> yeah I'm the opposite I like college football I enjoy watching it I like the the passion and all that type of stuff but I just love the NFL I love watching the best in the world at something and just the level of play is so much better than college football like you'll watch college football on Saturday and see quarterbacks missing wide open receivers you'll see receivers dropping balls you know guys missing tackles and then you watch the NFL and like within five seconds you're like man these guys are big and fast it's, they're so much <laughs> faster than college football and they, you know they they're catching just about everything if there's a even a remote small window for a quarterback to fit it in they're fitting it in you know they're smart with the with the play calling and everything I just love that love the NFL I, I just there's just something about watching the best in the world it's something do it it's just really cool and then you know the players are around for 10 15 20 years so you really get to know them like college football it's different different players every single year and you know you you don't really get to get attached to a player that often I mean there's the occasional guy who's starting for four years but for the most part you know it's a different different guy um, every single year whereas in the NFL it's the same players every single year you know I'm a Saints fan Drew Brees has been the quarterback for 15 years there you know so it's really cool just every single year you know who's going to be out there on the field and you know who you get to cheer for and you really get to know them and get attached to them as as people 
Yeah, I, I can see that. And, uh, you know, you, you either go one one or the other. If you're a guy that's like, well, now with the with the pro athletes, it's all about the individual, and I just don't get into that as much, you know. And, and it seems like that's evolved over time. I mean, if you go back 30 years, it was like, oh, man, you remember the Raiders? You remember the – you know, and it's yeah. – a lot of rules inside of the league have changed that intentionally. So you just mm-hmm. – you can't get angry about that. That was an internal correct that happened. So, so we are where we are. But when it comes down to it – uh, the team gets the ring. The, t- the team gets the trophy, right? And the yeah. team goes to the Super Bowl. So, uh, with our some of us with our limited knowledge, what are what are some of the front runners we need to be looking for? And here's something we have to acknowledge out of the gate: because of how things go in the NFL, a couple of critical injuries and our predictions oh, yeah. are completely null and void. The NFL is it, it can change so much. If you get a, a left tackle goes out, or you know, like you're middle linebacker or quarterback or something gets hurt, I mean, your, your season's pretty much done. And, you know, the team that can stay healthy the longest is the team that's going to be able to, you know, make it to the, you know, to the playoffs or whatever. So, like, for example, the Cowboys last year, they had a really talented team. And then their left tackle gets hurt, you know. Then, you know, their running back's out for four games, suspended. Uh, their defensive captain is out for most of the year. And all of a sudden you take a team who was number one seed going to the playoffs the year before who, uh, you know, doesn't even come close to making it to the playoffs just with those key injuries. And it's basically the same team otherwise. So the, the NFL definitely can swing on a dime with a, a – or a team's fortune can swing on a dime with a, a key injury or two for sure. No. Yep. All right, so we got to pick some teams. Um, maybe we should start with uh, Super Bowl, and I think this will probably degrade into the Super Bowl you'd like to see. Um, and then get making it into the playoffs, will you have a wild card team that will show up strong? I mean, how's, it, how's this going to go? We're all sitting around the sausage and cheese dip with our Tostitos right. at, the, at the start of the year next year. Who are we going to be watching? I'm going to go with who I wanted to see this year, and that's the, uh, that's the Saints and the Patriots. That's what I'm. Uh, that's a that that'd be the epic Super Bowl for me. Yeah, Bree, Breeze and Brady, man. Ooh, yeah, it would it would just would not be any better for me. Do you think the Saints have what it takes to actually do that? I yeah. think they do, man. Yeah. They, they they have filled uh, they filled some holes in the off season, and uh, they, they actually were, have receivers now. Yeah, I mean, and they were close last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're as close as you could have possibly they been. They <laughs> should have made it last year, and I would have loved to see them play the Eagles. I think they would have given them a pretty good <clears throat> fight. I think the Saints have the strongest team they've had in a long time. You know, the big issue with them for the longest time has always been their secondary, and they finally have a shutdown cornerback. Um, their running game is really, really good. Kamara, you know, that draft class they had, they're going into their second year this year. It was an unbelievable draft class. <laughs> then in the NFL, if you got a top-five quarterback, I mean, you can hardly ever you count them out. Yeah, yeah, you got a chance if you got a quarterback like Drew Brees. I think, you know, they could have made it to the Super Bowl last year. Um, they had the talent last year to do it, and I think they're better this year than they were last year. So I would, I could definitely see them going all the way for sure. All right, here's just something I'm curious about as we're thinking about uh, the the Packers. The Packers, I mean, how long have they been hanging around as one of the teams you got to beat? Uh, but they do have a, a pretty pretty stellar offensive side of the of the game this this year and i feel like of course defense has to do a good job but the nfl is just so electric when it comes to your offense and if you've got that side of the ball 
uh, nailed, then you're just you're going to pull out these victories, even if the other team. It's just impossible to stop these receivers. <laughs> I mean, I don't care how good your defense is, mm-hmm. you know, how good your defensive line is, putting pressure on the quarterback. These guys just have so many different possibilities, which is why I think the quarterback position is probably the most critical position inside of the NFL, oh, no you doubt. know, um, because of how smart they have to be. And let's give a, a nod to Peyton Manning because he did take that take that up a notch mm-hmm. uh, where you've got guys on the field just making these calls. But how do you guys feel like the Packers are going to do? Is it just one of those teams that everybody loves to root for? Are they actually going to make a run for it? I mean, I think as long as Rodgers is healthy, man, they're gonna have they're gonna have a shot. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know who um, I don't know who's in their uh, who's in their backfield this year, but uh, and like I said, I hadn't kept up much with it. But the the Packers, you know, they they always they always seem to uh, to overperform their talent. You know, and part of that is because Aaron Rodgers is that good. He elevates uh, he elevates everybody around him. So as long as he stay healthy, yeah, I mean. They'll be a playoff contender. Yeah, I th- I think they definitely I could definitely see them making the playoffs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best in the game. You know, it's between him and Tom Brady, and he makes some plays that nobody else can make for sure. I could definitely see them coming back and and making it to the playoffs. Um, they got a solid team, and like 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 you said, the quarterback is the the vital position, and I think teams can make it into the playoffs with without a great quarterback, but it's really it's going to be really hard um, to make a Super Bowl run without a top-tier quarterback. And the Eagles did it last year with their backup quarterback, but they were just, man, they were talented. They were the most talented team by far last year, and they played the Patriots, who had a ton of injuries in the Super Bowl. Um, the Patriots were not even close to full strength. And so I think, you know, the Eagles kind of, you know, they, they kind of had a good, lucky run with who they ran into. Um, they got to play the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, who did not have a quarterback, and they only made it there by a miracle play. And then they play the Patriots when they're kind of down a little bit, injured. I th- but they also had the most talented team, so they were able to do it without a um, a top five quarterback. But I think once you get in the playoffs, the top the teams with the best quarterbacks are going to be the teams for the most part that are going to be able to make the make the run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's interesting the way that we're talking about it. And these guys, it's not like they get a lot of press, but. If you're talking about the quarterback and Rodgers staying healthy, a lot of that depends on what kind of offensive line he's got, mm-hmm. you know, because those headhunters are literally out to kill the guy yeah. <laughs> to win the game. So you got to have some some pretty thick guys up front that – and not only that, but I think in the NFL, what you were pointing out, Hunter, a lot of it comes down to experience. These veterans who are able to keep, the, keep a calm and collective manner, able to work together. It's always fascinated me in the NFL how the offensive line – they can trade positions with, with a, you know, it's like, okay, well, I can be on the left side, the right side, you know, maybe accepting that center position, which is pretty critical uh, to have that relationship between quarterback and center. But the fact that the O line is able to shift around, and I think that helps them with injuries. You got particular injuries, you can do a little bit of shifting, and guys can, they're not those, you know, specialty positions, but they do play a critical role. So, I'm with you guys. I think, you know, a quarterback staying healthy with the Packers is a big deal. But all it takes is one helmet at the end of a throwing yep. motion and a broken thumb or a yep. strained mm-hmm. index finger, and there goes the season. Yep. I mean, can you imagine being a coach in that sort of environment? No wonder they have those neon jerseys on at practice. That's yeah. what's most impressive to me about the Patriots is they will get Gronk, – Gronkowski will get hurt. You know, they're – Last year, like, all their receivers were hurt. You know, they got linemen getting hurt left and right, and they still somehow managed to make it to the Super Bowl. You know, I just – 
their coaching and knowledge of the game is just so on such a high level. And then you have Tom Brady, a quarterback, you know, probably the best of all time. And so those two things, you know, just it's it's just amazing that no matter what kind of injuries they have, they're still able to re, re, remake their team and make a run. Um, so that's it's just it's crazy to me how consistent they can be year after year when other teams go up and down with a couple injuries. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it'd be cool. you can't count the Patriots out. Mm-hmm. You'd just be an idiot to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll put them at the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep a close eye on the Saints. I mean, obviously for us, they're kind of a, a local team. Uh, so that'd be cool to see this, them succeed. And I think the feelings about Breeze across the league are pretty solid. I mean, you know, it's like it's not like very many people are rooting against this guy. He just seems to be a good dude, and I like to see good guys uh, win. You know, and I'm also going to keep a close eye out on the Packers. And then the the strange team for me to watch each year is the Cowboys, since you bring up Dak. Like, which way is this going to go? It just always seems like it's on the razor's edge. <laughs> it, it could be phenomenal or it could be an embarrassment. If you followed them in the offseason, it was like their goal was to not make any improvements at all. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they didn't They didn't do anything to uh, to really help uh, help Dak's cause. I mean, they got um, – You've got uh, you've got Zeke Elliott back. The offensive line's back at full strength. So as as long as as long as that stays intact, they'll be okay. But uh, they didn't really give him give him a whole lot of threats uh, with wide receiver. Yeah, they got rid of rid of Dez, who was just bad in the locker room. I mean, if you watch that show on Amazon, I mean, he's he just, wasn't Dez anymore. Either, no, he's you know. not. And he, losing Witten will be yeah, bigger than Dez. He's a cancer in that locker room. It was probably best for them to, to part ways. But I mean. They get their line back attacked. You know, that was their secret to success two years ago is that O-line. I mean, just stout O-line. And they didn't – once that those guys got hurt, they just didn't have any anymore. They couldn't do anything. You know, one guy for the Falcons had six sacks. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And so, I think getting their line back, getting Zeke back, you know, and you it, you can't underestimate that shadow of, is Zeke going to play this week? Is he not going to play this week? That was going on every single week. And, like, he didn't – think he was going to get to play and then on Saturday he finds out he's going to get to play like you can't make a game plan with 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 that yeah. going on and they just had a lot going on last year so I definitely see them getting back up and I can definitely see them qualify for the playoffs um, another team that I can see making a run at the playoffs this year is the Raiders um, they they had a lot of injuries last year they were really good two years ago they're another team with a really good O-line um, and you know their quarterback, you know, uh, one of those, you know, mid-tier quarterbacks, they're live or die by their O-line. If they have time, they can make all the throws. If they don't have time, they're not going to be able to do anything. You know, there's only a few guys that can do it without the, the help of the O-line. And so those mid-level quarterbacks like Dak or um, what's his name for the Raiders? Uh, Carr, Derek Carr, uh, if they have the protection – they, they can look like all pros, and if they don't, they can look like, you know, all scrubs. So um, I think I, my two sleeper teams to get back in it this year are the Raiders and the Cowboys. I think they'll both qualify for the playoffs. Um, and it, it's just funny with the predictions. They go up and down every year, and you can they can be a great team coming into the year, and then they have a couple injuries, and then everybody's writing them off the next year when, in fact – you know, it's the same team that was really good two years ago. They're just going to be healthy again. So I think people, they get so caught up in what happened last year and they forget, hey, this is the same team that was really good two years ago. They just had a lot of injuries last year. Um, so I, I, I'm i picking them two to be sleepers. Yeah, I think it's for, for me, I, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying so far. I'll let out for a Super Bowl I would enjoy watching. 
would be uh, Patriots Packers Super Bowl uh, based on everything that we've said before when you see two quarterbacks at that level I think the whole game becomes about how do you respond on the other side of the ball the best Super Bowls are always a quarterback duel yeah yeah always. I think that's that's definitely something I would I would tune in to watch because I mean it's just interesting to me to see strategies change inside the NFL especially when you get a particular game like whoa they put some new stuff in for this particular game to try to adjust to something they know they're about to face and then you got the coach on the other side of the ball that's like adjust all you want I mean I've got the best guy in the game we're still going to take this so I think it would be cool to see those two guys um, go back to back plus you have the added element of can Brady do it again I mean that would just be unbelievable I mean this guy you're expecting him to step out of the lead but if it's like you're still winning. Why would you go anywhere? Yeah. You know, uh, and I think he's just been interviewed and interviewed and interviewed. And the thing that he keeps answering is, look, as as long as I want to keep winning, keep playing this game, as long as I still have the fire, I'm going to stay in it. And let's not even talk about how this guy's body. I, yeah. I mean, what is he doing? Is he like found the fountain of youth? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is. Uh, you know, he's he's got a guy who works on him all the time. You know. He, if you if you dig into what he's done, he had that surgery after he tore his knee up, and then it was getting infected, and he wasn't coming back, and he just got disgusted with the doctors he was working with, and he started investigating like some Eastern medicine practices, and he started implementing those, and ever since then he hasn't really had an injury. Um, it's keeping him young. You know, he wrote a book, the TB12 method, and and he had a bunch of videos on Facebook last year that I watched, and it was really interesting to see this holistic approach that he's taking. And he's just taking care of his body. He's really, he calls it pliability. He, he wants all his muscles pliable so that they can take hits um, from awkward angles and not, you know, and not tear. And they still protect his body. And he doesn't want a whole lot of bulky, short muscles. He wants long, lean muscles. And he's always got this guy working on him. And, you know, what he's doing is working. And, you know, James Harrison's another guy. He's like 40 years old. And he spends like half a million dollars a year on, on body work. And these guys are taking care of their bodies to the umpteenth degree, and that's what's keeping them healthy. And I think you'll start seeing more and more guys really implement this this holistic approach to their bodies that's going to prolong their careers. And, you know, I think Tom will keep playing for as long as he wants to because he's obviously – he looks – you know, his game is not about how fast he can run or how hard he can throw the ball. His game is between, between the ears and knowing what plays to call and managing the guys. And, you know, I, I don't think you can count them out. And my, my pick – I think I'm going to go along with Chris on this and say Patriots versus Saints in the Super Bowl. I think this is the best Saints team they've had maybe ever talent-wise. Um, and, you know, I just – I think if any if there's any a year that Drew Brees is going to make a run at the Super Bowl, it's going to be this year. And I just don't think you can count the Patriots out, especially given all the injuries they had last year, still made it to the Super Bowl. I think that they'll be the team to beat if they can stay healthy this year. And, you know, a few other teams to watch, obviously the Eagles, um, the Jaguars, you know, the the Jaguars had the best defense in the league by far last year, and I think they'll continue to have it this year. The Eagles were probably the most talented overall team last year. I think they're, they're going to be really good. And then, you know, you've got to watch the Rams. They're an up-and-coming team with a really good defense. So those are kind of my teams to watch. Um, but I really think you'll see the the – Saints and the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but man, it's the NFL. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, really good point. All right, so uh, Chase, what are you, what are you after? What are you after with your uh... Uh, the the way I did it? I broke it down really just uh, conference championships and then the Super Bowl 
and then two people outside looking in. Essentially, how we did it with gotcha. the, the college. college stuff. Yeah. But uh, uh, as far as the NFC game went, I had the Eagles and the Saints. Uh, Saints being the newcomers in that one. I think Chris and Hunter were making really, really strong points and cases for the Saints this year. I think they're going to be freaking nuts. Uh, and then on the AFC side, I had Jaguars versus Patriots again. Uh, mainly, mainly for the same reason the Hunter was talking. The the defense for the Jaguars uh, e- easily the best in the league. I think uh, I think it'll prove again this year. Uh, but I had the Patriots coming out on top again, and the Saints coming out. So <laughs> a bunch of cases of Saints versus Patriots in the uh, in the Super Bowl. But I've got the Saints actually pulling it out this year. Um, just because I don't. I have yet to see uh, a situation where the Patriots stay healthy the whole year, and I think the Saints are good enough to capitalize on that. And then outside looking in, I actually had Packers, and I had the Chargers actually uh, as the uh, AFC sleepers. Mm, come on, Packers. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. Giving you a, throwing you a bone there. But uh, <laughs> I don't understand how you could sleep on Aaron Rodgers ever, yeah. honestly. Yeah, so yeah it's he just, really is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's all I had. Are we going to go to uh, cool. Cool yeah, recommends? Let's, let's go to recommends. I've got to recommend, and then I think Hunter's got to uh, recommend for this week. I've just gotten into this um, podcast called Typology. Have we talked about this before? Mm-mm. It's a podcast that where a guy discusses the Enneagram and different personality types, but he does it in a way that doesn't make you want to drive your car off, off of a bridge. It's very interesting. So <laughs> if you've ever studied personality stuff, a lot of it can get really intricate and boring. Um, I think you should leave that as a review on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when I hear this, I don't want to drive off a bridge. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, he basically talks about everything at a, from a relational point of view as he's as he's discussing the Enneagram and personality types. Uh, so you, you can just get on any of your podcasts, whatever delivers podcasts to your smart device. If you search typology, it will be one of the only ones, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y, typology. Cool. That sounds good. Uh, my recommend is uh, uh, in line with the NFL, it's Hard Knocks. Uh, I love that show. If you haven't ever watched it, you're really missing out. I've probably watched it the last 10 years. I just really like it. Like it. It's really well done. It really gives you inside look to the guys in training camp, the NFL players, and really humanizes them and uh, kind of shows you how they're feeling, what they're thinking, um, what just goes into um, making an NFL team run, you know, what the guys are doing day in and day out, and uh, I just really enjoy it. This year they're doing it on the Cleveland Browns, and you know it's it's pretty cool. They got you know some young talent coming in. They got Baker Mayfield in there, and he, you know he's a he's a character for sure. And just kind of hearing him talk and and watching him go about his business and and watching the coaches coach him up is really cool. And just seeing all the new guys come in and they're trying to change the culture of a losing team. You know they lost they won zero games last year and. You know, I'm I'm gonna predict that they're gonna win some games this year. I think they they got a chance to win some games. I think they got some pieces in place to kind of turn the uh, turn the franchise around. So, go watch Hard Knocks on HBO if you if you can. Uh, there's there's already been one episode so far. I'm sure there'll be some more uh, coming out uh, once this podcast is out. So go check that out. So you're going from zero wins. What would you say they're gonna climb to five? Yeah, I I'd, I'd put them around four to five range. That's Which is would, that's significant improvement. Yeah, yeah. That's an infinite improvement. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Quite the PR from zero to five. Yeah. That'd be cool. You give me something to kind of dig into. I'm I'm interested in those sort of stories. Can a franchise turn it around from one year to the next? Yeah. So. 
Yeah, so with that, let's go ahead and wrap the episode. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, As always, we encourage you to go on iTunes and and give us a review. Um, Would uh, love a five-star review if you liked the uh, episode. I actually had something cool happen uh, this past week. Had a guy drop in from uh, Tennessee who heard heard about us from the podcast, had been listening to our podcast for a while, wanted to come and uh, check the gym out. Um, And he said it was cool to put a face with the voice voice, yeah yeah and uh he said he really enjoyed the podcast and so that's just really cool to to see and meet people who are listening to this you know outside of our area and outside of our gym and just putting it out there so uh we'd really appreciate it if you could like like it share share our post on uh instagram facebook you know let your friends know that you're listening to the podcast and kind of get the word out there so we can continue to uh spread our reach and and get to know uh more people and uh put the good word out there so once again guys thanks for tuning in and uh we'll catch you next time